Hello everyone, welcome back to Collider Ladies Night. I know I say I love every single guest, but this right here is truly one of my favorites out there. Thaisa Farmiga, I'm so happy to have you oh, on this. Perry, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's nice to see you again. I feel like we always have a really good time. We do. I, we've had very many lovely conversations over the years, but a ladies' night is different. And I feel like it gives me the opportunity to ask you so many questions that I wish that I could have asked during very movie-specific sure, interviews. Sure. So I'll take it. Perfect. I didn't warn you about step one of ladies' night. It's playing with this dice tower behind me. So I have okay. eight random questions written here, and you get three rolls on the tower. And okay. whatever you get, that's where we start. All right. Let's go. I like, I like a game of chance. You say that now. I know. Uh, number four. Oh, you got an easy one to start. Number four is binge watch. What is the most recent TV show that you have binge watched? Uh, um, okay. Most recent TV show is um, Elite on Netflix. My husband and I have been taking Spanish lessons for the last year. Um, so it's this like Spanish drama, these like super rich high schoolers and, you know, all the drama that goes along with that. It's also kind of like a murder mystery. Um, so over, over the holiday break, we binge watched four seasons in like two weeks. That is such a cool reason to have chosen that show. I'm very impressed it's, by that. It, it was a good, well, because for homework, we're supposed to be watching a different, a different, um, a different Spanish show, but it, uh, we're supposed to watch a Spanish subtitle. So I wanted something that was going to be fun. So like Elite, we watched with English subtitles, but obviously they were speaking Spanish. So it was, a, it was a good mix. I felt smarter than I am. <laughs> I've tried many times to learn another language and I feel like every single time I put in the work and I try really hard, but because I never try to, you know, use it in real well, life. Utilize it and practice it. Oh my God. I am such a, I'm such a perfectionist one. Um, two, I just get so shy and like, I live in Los Angeles. So many people speak Spanish, but like I walk down the street and like, I hear people speaking Spanish and I want to just be like, hola. And I'm like, I just don't do it. I'm kind of, Oh, I'm kind of a baby, but I'm, I'm working on the confidence. You're going to get there. Give me two, give me two drinks and I'll talk to you in Spanish all night. <laughs> I have the same problem and I don't speak any <laughs> other language at this point. All right. Roll number two for you. Okay. Going with a number three now. All right. So three is autofill. I love okay. looking at Google autofills and what people are searching with a guest. And oh, no. just like one of the most random questions that came up for you was which Thaisa Formiga character are you? So of all the characters you've played, which one um, are you? That's, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I truth, truly, I don't think there's like, there's a character that perfectly sums up Thaisa because like, you have Gladys from like Gilded Age now, who's like sweet and innocent. You have Violet from Horror Story season one, who was like, um, you know, she was like quintessential teenager talking back to her parents. Like she just wanted to, um, you know, she just wanted to be herself and live her life and not have, have rules and regulations, which is kind of the same as Gladys in a different time period. There's the nut, I, I, like everything shows, I feel like a lot of the characters I've played have showed the, the kind hearted part of my personality. And I haven't really gotten to show, I don't know, like, I got a potty mouth. I can be quite vulgar. I'm not. <laughs> Sometimes in the interviews, I feel like I'm going to start speaking. I'm like, you got to think first. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I really, I feel like the perfect Taisa character hasn't come out yet. Like I need to, that's my goal. I feel like in the next few years is to do something that shows, shows off. Yeah. Different sides. I mean, also like 27 year old Taisa. Interesting. Interesting. I feel like I'm going to be on the lookout for that character. And by the way, potty mouths are allowed on ladies night. You go for it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. You got one more roll here. 
We're ending this with a number eight. Oh, this is like another fun one. <laughs> IMDb trivia. This is another thing that I look at nonstop okay. every time I prepare. All right. You do have a bunch of things listed there, but what do we got? If you could add any one like super random fact about yourself to your IMDb trivia page, mm-hmm. what would it be? Um, I am a fabulous whistler. Like <gasps> you give me a song and I, well, I mean, I probably, I may not know it, but like, I am really good at just whistling. I need a demonstration. Like, do you, okay. Um, I need a, okay, hold on. What's this? I, I like the first thing that happy comes birth, to mind. Like happy birthday or something okay. simple like okay. that. Um, That's my hidden talent. I can whistle too, but you you have that that like bird like trill oh, too. Yeah, it. and a it's little bit of pretty. vibrato. Thank you. I taught myself. My sister in law when I was a kid was was teaching one of my other sisters how to whistle, and I I'm pretty sure she said I was too young. I'm not sure if that memory has been changed in my mind because of whatever. But I taught myself how to whistle, and um, yeah, I like it. It's a nice stress reliever. It's a great stress reliever. A wonderful skill to have. That annoyed almost everyone around. Oh, everybody! You. Everybody. Then I say, "Bring it on." The first, the first reaction is like, "Who the fuck? What? That's you? Oh, cool!" And they're like, "Oh, she's still whistling." You know, you know how like when you're driving around LA, you're sitting in traffic and you're watching someone in the car next to you like yeah. belt out a song. Like yeah. I'm the weirdo that you just see like like. <laughs> and that's the thing too. Whistle. It's like to like get the note. You have to like purse your lip. It's a very specific like. You know, it's not yes. just, it's not, uh, yeah. So it's a, it's, I always get, I always get made fun of my, my whistling face. I'm like, yeah, but I can do it well. So like looks, talent, I, I'm going to veer towards doing a good job. You get over that. You embrace your skills and what makes you happy. Exactly. Right here. I love it, Perry. All right. Let's get into the meat of it. I think I know this story for you, but what is the, the movie, the performance, the personal experience, you name it, that first made you say, I have to be an actor and nothing else? Oh, that's funny. Um, you know, for me, I have such an interesting, uh, like start with it because I, I don't think the, the aha moment of, I need this in my life came until I was already working a bit. My older sister Vera is obviously an actress and she directed her first film, um, this indie film called higher ground, God, 11, uh, 10, 11 years ago. And it was my first job when I was, when I was 15. Um, and it was to play the younger version of her character. And I think I filmed maybe like eight days. And, um, yeah, she asked me to be in it and it was more just cause like, I looked like her and she asked me to, I couldn't say no. I was like, okay, this is a cool experience. Um, and then after that, I went back to my normal life and like, I loved being on set. I, I, I loved, I mean, I've always loved playing pretend. I remember, you know, being like a young teenager and, 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 and reading books and like acting out the scene in my head or, or, you know, finishing Harry Potter and be like, I need, I need more and like finding fan fiction and like acting out fan fiction scenes on my own and, and, you know, in the bathroom, hiding from all the other siblings in my house. Um, But it was never something that I was like, oh, this is, this is what I want to pursue. You know, Vera, it was always Vera's job. And it's like, oh, that's cool. But that's like her world. I always had a very um, logical and and, and mathematical brain. I kind of wanted to be an accountant going into my sophomore year in high school. I really love numbers that much. If you talk to my accountant, in fact, they emailed me two days ago and they said, thanks again for always being on top of your accounting. Um, biggest, biggest compliment, best compliment I've gotten so far in 2022. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so there wasn't like a specific movie or moment, but, but, uh, filmed higher ground. It got into Sundance. Vera invited me to go and 
um, people started asking like, oh, is your sister acting now? There was some interest and, and I really loved it. And, and the thing that I loved about it was that I got to be, um, I got to be somebody different. I was a very shy teenager. I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to ma- maintain eye contact and have a conversation with you. So being able to, you know, be in my sister's movie and, and, and play a different character and experience someone else's emotions, um, it was just freeing. I got to, I got to be somebody else and realize there's a different experience out there. Um, so yeah, I started, I, I, I did that. And then I got the audition for American Horror Story. I auditioned for that, got the pilot. And then, you know, that's, um, that's, that's ran its course. It's done its thing. It's been, it's been such a, um, notable presence in my life for, for, for a decade. And I think it was somewhere within the first year of doing it, um, where, yeah, I don't know. It just hit me one day. I was like, I need this, like as Thais said, like to figure out who I am, I, I need to be able to be other people to figure out who I am and what my emotions are. I feel very privileged and lucky to be able to have such an outlet because a lot of people, you know, they're still well into their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s trying to figure themselves out. And I, I, I feel like acting has really given me um, that outlet to, to make mistakes through other characters and, and, and sort myself out. So that's what I love about it. Oh, I love that answer. I have so many follow-ups now. Maybe first, I was reading that Vera had to persuade you a bit to do higher ground. So do you remember what actually got you to commit? Did she tease anything that maybe, you know, jump-started that creative itch in you? There was, um, I mean, she she did kind of dangle her, her uh, uh, Toyota Tacoma pickup truck over me. She's like, if you do this, your first car can be this truck. Here are the keys. They're yours. Because also while we were filming, I was also... Um, uh, my my nephew Finn, who was 18 months old at the time, he played my daughter in the movie. Um, so whenever we weren't filming and had scenes, I was kind of on set with just babysitting him. So for all the hours of that and stuff, she, you know, she also uh, she paid it forward not only with a with a, a job and the start of a career, but also a truck, which was my 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 one of like my favorite possessions. You know, when you're 17, it's like I have freedom. It was another. Um, yeah, she offered me another, yeah, it was another gift of freedom in a way. I, I feel like that's a pretty good deal right there. So then going forward, you mentioned that the the decision to fully commit to acting and realizing you really needed mm-hmm. it happened, I guess, in that first year. Was it a specific project that that happened on? Um, I think like I, you know, so I auditioned for the pilot of American Horror Story. I got the I got the pilot. Everyone's like, wow, the show, are you ready for it to be big? I was like, oh, I'm so excited to be in L.A. Um, I didn't think anything of it. I really didn't know. I hadn't had much experience with the industry at all at that point. Um, and then we started filming the season and I just loved, I just love being on set. I think it's one of my, it's one of the, like my most favorite atmospheres to be around. I'm, I'm such a crew girl. I love getting to know everybody. Like when, um, you know, when they call cut and even if it's a big emotional scene, I'll go over to, you know, go over to sound, go over to crafty, be like, yo, what's up? What are we doing this weekend? We hanging out. Um, and I just, yeah. The, so, so that energy is something I, I, I love to be around. But for the sake of like the job and the career and, and, and the actual acting part of it, yeah, I think it was post post season one of American Horror Story, and then I went and I filmed like four indie movies, and it was when I was um, I think it was the first time I'd worked with an acting coach, um, and it was for In a Valley of Violence. I was like I was a little nervous because the character was a little bit bigger than anything I've done, and, and, and In a Valley of Violence is done by Ty West, who's like a great horror director, but this was like a it was like a kind of like a weird hipster. Um, um, Western movie. And it was the first time where I got to see how someone, not just going in on natural instinct, you like, you break down the scene, you break down the emotions and 
to me, the emotions started feeling like a mathematical equation. It was like, oh, if you have this and you're feeling this and you add a little bit of this person's response and this person, you know, it kind of felt like an equation to me. And I really loved that. Um, and it was after working with the coach and really um, sort of I don't know, building up my, my, my skills to, 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 to do this job, because like, sure, you have natural instincts, but if you don't work at it and if you don't practice and if you don't. I don't know, learn how to how to properly approach, like start approaching the scene. You know, it, you can only run for so long. I think it was once I got, I had the natural part of it, but once I got the book smart part of it, it really just sort of cemented like, oh, this is, I'm so fucking lucky. This is it. This is what I want to do. Like there wasn't even there wasn't a different. There was yeah, it wasn't even like a specific. It just I don't know when it was. It was just like by the end of the job, I was like oh, I want to hold on to this. I need to do everything I can to work hard and be able to keep moving forward. Does not surprise me to hear that something like that would happen on a Ty West movie because every <laughs> single thing that I've seen him do is just, it's so specific and purely him. And they're all so different too. There's such tonally, yeah. drastically different movies. Yeah. Going to your American Horror Story audition because that was that was your very first time auditioning. I think I, think I had like, I think I had one, one audition but it was like, it was from the same, it was from the same people that had made higher ground. It was just sort of like a, oh, you're still at your sister's house audition for this. And I was like, okay. Actually, I have a follow-up about that now. So uh -huh. you start on higher ground, which I imagine is like a really ideal position to be in when you're surrounded by family, surrounded by family and comfort. And yeah. Yes. But then you leave that. Is there anything from the way that the higher ground set was run that you wanted to hold tight to and have on your other projects, but then leaving the comfort of family, is there anything that kind of like smacked you in the face that you had to adjust to on the next films? Um, I mean, the next, the next project after, after higher ground was the pilot of American Horror Story. And I remember when I was there filming, I was in the hair and makeup trailer and I remember, I remember Kim, the makeup artist who I adore to this day. She was like, she was so happy after the first day. She's like, I thought you were going to be a little brat. You know, I thought you were going to, not because she met me, but she was like, oh, I got, I got the, I got the young one in the cast. So like her saying that to me, again, I was so shy. I could barely talk at all. And I was like, oh no, am I doing something wrong? Like the first thought is like, wait, I'm not being bratty enough. Um, but like, yeah, but there was a, so, so back to the question. Yeah, there was a comforting presence from, from, from being around Kim and she almost felt like, another mom to me on that set. But it made me think back to higher ground. It was like everywhere I turned, there was someone with family. You know, Vera's husband was the music producer. My cousin Adriana was doing art on it. Um, like my, like Vera had um, our grandma and her, her husband's grandma was in this, like as background extras, like doing like yoga stretches. It was in, 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 in some, it was, it was funny. It was a lot. Can't go back to it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, I remember the first time being like, oh, wow, this is, this is real life. There's no like, there's no really like a safety net of like, if you're fucking up your lines, there's nobody there to be like, Hey, it's okay. It's like, you got to do it. Um, and that's that. And I don't know. I, I, I feel like I learned a lot about myself. I learned that I react really well under pressure. I don't crumble. I pretend that everything's okay. And then I go home and cry later, but like in the face of it, I'm like, I got this. <laughs> Whether it was American horror story or any other project, what's a time where, you know, you were on set and maybe you should have caved under the pressure, but you kind of stood your ground, you pulled it off and you're proud of yourself for it even today. Um, that's a good, that's a good question. I'm trying to think, what's the first one that pops to mind? I mean, there's just, yeah, again, I'm a perfectionist. So there's so many times where it's like, you're filming all day, you're filming all day. And it's like this big, huge emotional scene. They don't do the, you don't do your close up until the end of the night. Right. And it's so frustrating because because like you've been doing it for hours, you've been crying for hours, and like 
I think, um, I don't know. It's not moments that I should have pushed more. I think it's moments I should have been like a little bit more forgiving of myself. And it's like, I'm like, I could have given more. I could have been better. But those moments, it's just like, you know, there's people want to go home. People need to like, they have to, they can't keep paying for more takes. You know what I mean? And it's just sort of accepting where you're at and saying I did the best I could do. And next time, maybe I'll be a little bit more prepared or maybe I'll drink extra water. So I have more tears to drop. (laughs) As a fellow perfectionist, I very much understand that. Thank you. There is no way I'm not digging into horror with you right now. I am curious. Did American Horror Story kind of jumpstart the, uh, the, the horror fan in you or were you a fan of that kind of content beforehand? Never. I'm still not a fan. I can't watch it. I get so scared. I mean, I'm sure it has to do with, um, you know, growing up in, in, in a religious family, but anything that's like demonic or, you know, it's just like, it just, to this day, it's still like, I see the number 666. I'm like, I have a panic attack. I'm like, I'm a grown woman. I can type in 666 and my world's not going to end. Um, but no, I mean, it, I, I think horror story definitely, um, it introduced me to that world. You know, I, my parents didn't really love horror stuff. Um, I remember when I was like, I don't know, when I was a kid, I must've been like seven or eight. My brother and my sister forced me to watch Chucky. And like, that was my only experience with the horror. And I like, I hated it. I remember sitting on the basement steps, just like staring down and being like, this puppet's going to walk. My, my brother, uh, they had handed me down like the rat, you know, like the raggedy Andy dolls, the raggedy Ann dolls, these like dolls with like the red hair and the yarn they're sewn in. It kind of looked a little bit like Chucky. I know that doll lived around the corner. And I just waited on the basement steps for it to pass. Um, and that was my first experience with horror prior to American Horror Story. And I don't know, I'm still, it's, it's, I'm, I'm still tainted. I still can't, I can't love horror. I can't. <laughs> I have a life-size Chucky doll sitting downstairs no! right now. It should be on the I set. would have a panic attack. Um, there was a very long period of time where Chucky lived in my car. And I will tell you that fixes the misery of LA traffic because every time <laughs> I'd be driving alongside someone, it's so incredibly entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that gets you started with the horror genre, but then you kept at it. So it's making me wonder, what is something that you absolutely loved about making horror content then? And is there anything new you've discovered that you never even realized was part of that process now with all the new stuff you've made? Um, you know, I find that I, I don't love, I find that I don't generally love to watch the same things that I act in. It's just, I don't know. I love acting in the dark stuff. Give me give me a psychological thriller, give me anything like that. But I don't, on my personal time, I want to laugh and just like be carefree. But whenever they send me a script to want to act in, like I, I want the meaty, juicy, dark stuff. And if that has to be horror, I'd also, I feel like there's a lot of amazing stories you can tell with those backdrops. Um, yeah, I, I found that like also it was fun to play those emotions that I don't have to like express in real life. You know, I'm not normally running around, you know, like you're not screaming in it. Oh, really? Like there's something really, I mean, some people are, I think I must've had a really good life that I'm not running around like that. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was, it was, it was like, uh, there's something like cathartic about just getting it all out. And I, I, I love like a big, heavy, hard crying scene, um, like a day on, on American horror story. I think like the scene where I found out I was dead is violet spoiler. I'm sorry. It's been a decade. Um, <laughs> I felt really happy at the end of it, even though I spent the entire day crying. So those sort of like expressing those sort of emotions, I love. Here's something horror-ish for you. And I'm just Mm -hmm. absolutely fascinated by this. Quibi. Uh Uh-huh. I I have just a million and one questions. Mm -hmm. What made you want to be part of a project on a new platform and in a new format like that? Mm -hmm. And then 
I guess from your perspective, having worked hard on something in it, mm-hmm. what was it like watching the whole thing, you know, sort of just kind of crumble? crumble. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it, the job offer came, um, was that the one that was in, in, I think it comes in the fall. It came at a point where I'd been dealing with like a lot of, um, just like digestive health issues for a few years and ended up finding out that I had like a parasite in my blood. And I just, so dealt with like getting rid of, and all happened like right around the nun and, and American Horror Story when I went back for apocalypse. And so it was like, I was coming out this period of, of just like, personally, just like, just like a lot of shit going on. Um, so it was an, it was a straight offer and, 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 and I was super excited cause I was like, I don't know, this could be really fun. It was the, it was the, it was the writers or they're associated with, um, um, uh, quiet place. And, and I was like, this could be really great. And also I was like, I was like, I feel like I'm going to work out like having to climb a, having to climb a, uh, uh, what is it? It's a windmill tower. I was like, this is going to be like, I'm going to be working out for two weeks. This is great. I'm getting paid to work out. Um, so yeah, so it wasn't necessarily like ooh the new the new platform. I um that didn't cross my mind. I was just excited. I think I was just excited for a job to be taken away into a completely like different scenario with people that were supposed to be like really fucking rad. Um and then it pandemic hit and people stopped. I mean the whole point of it was to like was to 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 watch on the go right you're on the subway you're on the train like you're supposed to like in 15 and like 10 or whatever they were even smaller maybe they're like nine minute episodes so it made sense to me i was like this could work like i'm still i'm like well i'm in new york i'm sitting the subway I believe there's plenty of people who travel like they people love to i mean if you're sitting there watching tiktok videos why wouldn't it work for watching something with like story well i didn't know <laughs> i'm bad at predicting this is why this is why like i'm not good at invest i don't bet money because yeah it's know. not about predicting things, though. I think, like, I applaud decisions like that more because it's about taking creative swings. Not every swing yeah. is going to pan out, but you gotta you gotta try because new storytelling formats offer new opportunities that you didn't realize were there before. And truthfully, I found myself like I I wasn't watching movies a lot. I was watching TV because I like like pausing after thirty minutes, forty minutes. I needed a break. Like, and I remember having to sit through like a two and a half hour movie. I'm like, this is exhausting. It's changed now. Um, and I feel like I fluctuate depending on how life is and how my anxiety is and my focus, like being able to watch things. But I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was an exciting thing to try something new. And, and um, yeah, luckily it was just one episode of the show and it, it wasn't, I didn't invest too much of my own personal time, but it's um, shit, you know, it happened. It's still out there, though. the The yeah. library was purchased. the The content sure. lives on, and there there's some really good stuff in the mix there too. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. All right, in a very drastic switch after we covered all this horror, the Gilded Age. Just, <laughs> you you are just so incredibly drastically different in this show. Not that I was going into it expecting right, it right. to be you're horror. Expecting, in any you're respect, expecting violence. But... Well, I mean, in a way, it's actually interesting because when you're talking, asking me earlier, and I was talking about the different characters and who I am, I was like, oh, there's actually I see. It's funny because Gladys feels like almost. Um, there's a little bit of a callback, you know, you're rebelling against the parental units and, and, and she doesn't want what her parents want for her and she wants to take her own stand and find her own identity. I think Violet obviously had a much clearer sense of who she was at that point than Gladys does now, but I think that also has to do with the time period. Um, but yeah, I think that's why I was first drawn to it was jumping into a world that I wasn't normally associated with. 
What was the audition process like for that? If it wasn't a straight offer, was it one of those situations where you could have been cast in a bunch of roles and then Gladys hit, or were you always going for Gladys? No, I originally I originally read for um, the lead uh, the lead woman uh, Louisa's character. She plays Marion Brooke, um, and the woman who it's kind of who the story sort of um, she's the intro into and what takes us into the world and, and her story is kind of the the main story we follow over the arc of the season. Um, but when I was auditioning for it, I had a hard time. I remember I read once with my husband. I didn't like the tape, or I guess he was my boyfriend at the time. I, I, this was in August two thousand nineteen. This was the first time I, I auditioned for it, so it's been a minute. Um, I tried to make the self tape twice and I wasn't happy with it. And I just couldn't, I don't know why I wasn't clicking or responding to Marion. And then um, I sent in a tape and I was like, I feel fine about it. It's what it is. Um, and then casting the producer, they really liked it, but it was like, you're not, it's clearly not right for, for, for Marion, but like, we really, really like you. We read this character. And I was like, okay, why not? Like, I mean, I like, I, you know, I was, I was down to try it. I, I, cause you know, again, perfectionist, I felt like not that I failed at the other tape, but I was like, it didn't, it wasn't, I couldn't, I didn't fully connect. So I was happy to have a second shot with Gladys and that taped it in two seconds. And I was like, Oh, I like, I know this girl. I, you know, there's she's so many versions of, of, of like six, 16, 17 year old Thaisa. Um, So auditioned for that. And then they seemed really um, stoked on it. And then had a director session with, with Michael Engler. And it was literally the day that the um, Downton Abbey movie was, was coming out. And um, I was trying to make sure in the, in the, in the casting office, I was talking to my, to my fiance and I was like, babe, how do I, how do I naturally be like, congrats on the, congrats on the project. I was like, how do you, how do you socialize? (laughs) Bringing up Downton it. So I'm, I'm the kind of person who looked at Downton Abbey and basically said like, that show's not my kind of show. I'm never (laughs) watching it. I I was assigned to cover the movie and I finally went back and watched the show and I'm like, this is delightful. I like it a lot. So for someone out there who might be saying the same thing about Downton Abbey and now Gilded Age, what would you tell them to encourage them to give it a shot? I mean, honestly, you you really never know. Escapism in any form is really nice, especially in this day and age. And for me, it was after I had, I had got the director um, the director session with Michael Angler for Gilded Age. And I was like, okay, shit, I should probably go watch Downton because like, I don't want to go and be ill-informed and say something really stupid. Um, and I started watching, I watched the first episode, second episode, all of a sudden I'm in season three and I'm like, how the hell? There's just like, there's something really captivating about it. And it's the characters. I'm like, sure. You see them in their pretty dresses and this, and it, it's not normally a time period or an aesthetic that I'm usually drawn to personally to watch, but it's the character stuff. That's so good. It's the relationships, the interpersonal relationships. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just relatable. It's relatable people and characters in like really crazy, funny outfits. I mean, some of the outfits I wear in the show are insane. Um, so I mean, you just, honestly, it's just fun. It's just fun to get lost in a completely different world. And I think that's a similar thing to horror projects is like you get sucked into that, you know, into that small thing. And it's the same thing. It's just a variation of, of, it's a different set piece, you know, with all those gorgeous costumes, they are incredible from top to bottom in this show, but kind of makes me wonder, is there any like costume hack? Like Mm -hmm. something that needs to be done behind the scenes, like movie magic wise to make everything look so good and be wearable (gasps) and somewhat comfortable. I mean, I think every, I think every actress, every actor, every, every, um, every outfit had its own like um, things you had to maneuver and make work. Like the courses were a pain in the ass for, for, for ladies. I can, I can say that for myself. Some of the actors liked it to be like, they wanted to feel like they were in the 1880s and pull it tight. I was like from the beginning, I remember going into the the first fitting. I made a mistake. I'd flown from LA, and um, 
uh, I just got the plane. I didn't really eat much. So I go into my fitting and I was like, okay, shoot, should have eaten something. Then they're fitting me. And like, it's based on me not eating anything. I'm like, this was a mistake. Next fitting, like a few weeks later, I made sure I ate like a giant burrito before I went in. So like any room I needed on the day when I wanted to be hungry, like there was room in the corset and in the gowns for like bloat for like stomach growth. You just natural eating, you know what I mean? Stomach expanding. Um, so that was probably the quickest, like the, the biggest, most important hack I learned about wardrobe fittings for a period piece like this was make sure you eat beforehand. Um, and the second thing was just like, you can't, you can't get dressed on your own. So stop trying to be an independent woman because it's the 1880s and it's almost impossible to be one. I mean, it's worth all the trouble you guys go through. Looked pretty incredible. Thank you. Um, now I must know literally everything about working with Carrie Coon. I, I was a big fan of hers before this happened, but I had her on ladies night for the nest like a year, year and a half yeah. ago. And yeah. like now I'm just like full blown obsessed with her. I think she's insanely talented and so smart and such a pleasure to talk to. So what is it like working with her? I, um, I don't think I love another human more than I do Carrie Coon. I love my partner. I love my family, but Carrie Coon has a special place in my heart. Um, she is just one of the most, I don't know. She's just, she's so unapologetically herself and she's still so kind. She loves to bust everybody's balls and just like pick on people, but that's how she shows love. And if she's not picking on you, then you kind of know you're not, you're not in her inner circle. Um, but the fact is there wasn't actually very many people even like that. She I don't know. She's, she's just like whip smart and, and a phenomenal actor. And anytime she spoke, I'm just like, oh, I just literally, I just like, it's the fucking hard eye emoji. I couldn't, I, there's no way to describe it. I think she's just one of the most phenomenal people and phenomenal actors. And like the chemistry between her and, and Morgan Spector play my dad in the show made it so easy when, when Harry Richardson and I were in the show or, or like in a scene together, I mean, and, and um, you just sort of exist and, and, and write off their chemistry, which is like really nice to, really nice to have. I could very much understand that. It's just like, all I've had was an hour long conversation with her and I could feel exactly what you <laughs> yeah, just described she, it's, there. It's, she's just so, she's just so authentic and, and yeah, I don't know if I, yeah, I just, I just want her to love me. Okay. Gladys wants birth and a lover <laughs> and I want Carrie to love me is so much to ask for it helps the performance and the character my my favorite thing to do now is to stalk her twitter account because i love seeing what movies they're watching <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah they always have they always have a really good list very very good selection there all right tell me a little bit about any backstory you two did any additional backstory work at least between you know gladys and her mother because i guess I just, I started to wonder, and maybe I'll discover this further into the series, but I started to wonder, is her keeping Gladys kind of, you know, in lockdown mode purely for status and until she's ready to fill the ballroom, or is there something else lurking underneath that, you know, gives her genuine concern for her daughter being too young and not ready to get out in the world? Um, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that I'm sure it's a combination of both, but you know, I feel like as a parent, you're, you're blinded by love and affection, hopefully towards your child, but it's like, it's the desire to protect your, you know, that piece of you, you know what I mean? Like we are technically like you become from, you know, and it's like, whatever your parental figure is, it's like, you want to care for the one that's in your, in your custody. And like, um, I think, you know, Gladys is, is very privileged. She grew up with wealth. She doesn't know what it's like to struggle. I think the difference is Bertha and 
um, um, George, her parents grew up in like working class families and they had to build from nothing where, you know, George made his millions all on his own. Um, and I think there's a bit of, you know, she, you know, she's a bit naive in the sense that she doesn't know what it's like out in the real world. So obviously she pushes and she, she fights for what she wants, but Bertha knows the other side of it. She knows how bad it can be and how less fortunate and, and, and what it's like to live in poverty. So I think that's why for her, it's life and death with wanting to fit into society and also, you know, use her daughter as a, as a pawn in, in her big game. Gladys is a puzzle piece. You know, she is her daughter and she cares for her, but she's also in the 1880s. You have to, you have to play the game if you want to um, um, have any sort of freedom or, or life as a woman. Like if, if Bertha doesn't make it into high society, what does she have besides her, her, her husband's money? She's got nothing. She's alone. This is a, a fascinating game to track <laughs> and it stresses out a little. Right, right. All right. So we always wrap ladies night with a second game and surprise, okay. surprise. I'm going to give you a game with a horror spin on it. So <laughs> I would like you to play our horror movie survival game, but with okay. the cast of the Gilded Age. <laughs> I'm going to set a scene for you here. So it's a day on the set of the Gilded Age. You guys are all working on a big scene where you're all together. And then all of a sudden the zombie outbreak happens. I'm going to give you a couple character description and you have to tell me who best suits this description and why. Okay. Who is most likely to be the last person to catch on and not realize that there are zombies in the room? Um, I would have to say, um, oh my God, I would have to say, oh, Jack Gilpin, he would be the one he's the butler of the of the russell house i feel like i feel like he's so focused in all the time on 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 on, on being you know the butler and being present and being um ready at a moment's notice for whatever bertha needs but i feel like sometimes he's not paying attention to like everything else that's going around next one here who is the most likely to sacrifice themselves for the others harry richardson in a heartbeat he plays larry he would absolutely sacrifice himself. He might push me first, but then sacrifice himself for everybody else. <laughs> that was like a very troubling thing that I realized about my little sister. I took her to one of those LA haunts and the first house that we walked into, she grabbed me and she pushed me in front of Michael Myers. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is how that You're would like, go. This, this says a lot about us and you, but also us. Yeah. Yep. All right. Who is the most likely to trip and fall while running from the zombies? Gladys, me. <laughs> I 100% would be the first one to fall. These, especially if I was in like in wardrobe on gla like on Gilded Age, I would trip and fall in a heartbeat. There's a moment where we're playing it where we're doing a tennis scene in Newport later on, and I don't know if it's going to make it into the to the edit, but I just I just just it's like it's it's like a cartoon, like feet up, skirt up, every it was amazing. I really hope that makes it into a cut now. Me too. This is this is one of my favorite zombie movie cliches to play with. Who is the most likely to get bit and then try to hide their infection? Um I feel like Morgan Spectre, my dad. I feel like he would I feel like he would be like, I feel like he would be trying to, I feel like he'd be like Papa Bear. Like he's trying to like help us and move on, but like he's still slowly starting to like, you know, he's starting to turn, but still trying to like take care of us. I feel like it would be in a good way. You know what I mean? He's hiding in a good way to try and save us. How long does it take to kick in? I mean, it depends what zombie movie you're in. The rules are different all the time. Are they fast zombies? Are they slow zombies? I have no idea. All right. Two more here. Let's go with who is the most likely to be the last one standing? 
Um, I feel like Danae Benton, who plays Peggy. I feel like she is like a boss ass mom. And I feel like she would last. I feel like she would last. I feel like I would turn to her. Like, you know, like you're going to form groups because people are going to have like different suggestions of like, no, we have to do this. We have to know we have to hide here. We just get support. I feel like I would, I feel like I would absolutely bow down and be like, tell me what to do. You know it. I feel like I can even see that just radiating off the screen in her performance. In this. She's, she's, got, so she's got this, it's just, she's got this energy about her. I was thinking, I was like, who would I? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sticking with that. I, I think that's how, I think that's perfect. I like that choice. Uh, the last one here. Who is the most likely to be turned into a zombie, but fight the change and come back at the last possible second to help save the day? <laughs> um, I don't think that's um, ever happened in a zombie movie or right? show, but I'm wrong. I would have to say, I would have to say Ben Ehlers, who plays, who plays, I think his name's Jack. He's the, he's the, he's the, um, not the butler. He's the, um, He's the he's the one I forget what it's called the guy under he's the one under the butler he's the he's the young boy in the Van Ryan house um, with the like the thick New York accent I feel like you can't kill him it's like New York he's gonna he, he's gonna come back he's so sweet in the show based on what he's I've seen adorable. thus far so I'm glad he's, he's like but that. he's a cool he's a cool dude I feel like I feel like he would fight to the end and then win I like that all right. I haven't actually done this in a really long time, but I'll throw you our last two ladies night questions that we used to end on every single episode. Okay. It hasn't happened in a bit though. But the first one is, can you name someone in this industry who you think is changing it for the better? Hmm. Um, oh God, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I feel like Carrie Coon, I feel like she is someone who is not afraid to just speak and be herself. And that's something I, you know, I definitely have a very like, I mean, this is made more on a personal, personal, but I mean, she's also very vocal about political views and, 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 and also how she approaches projects and, and the kind of projects she wants to be a part of. Um, but just, yeah, having your opinion and saying it and, and not trying to be a people pleaser. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's a problem I have. And I feel like a lot of actors too. And I feel like I'm finally getting to a point in my career where I don't have to, I don't have to do that. And Carrie is someone who I, I, I definitely look up to in that regard. And, and yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, push for what I want and fight for what I want if I don't if I don't agree with what's going on I'm gonna say something I love that answer so so much last one what is the biggest fear that you've ever had that you've actually managed to overcome whoa what a question um biggest fear I ever had well I'm still fucking terrified of the dark and I'm not over that um but I think it's um I think it's my I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question because I like I think of like the first fear and I think of like an outward thing but I think I think I would have to say um uh fear of like there's two things that keep going back and forth in my mind I'm also like you can't say that you could say it which is literally it's just me being it's just me saying um uh, <laughs> you've broken me Barry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's the fear of like fear of being accepted and being liked. I think that's like the thing when I was a teenager um, of of people, you know, responding to me for me and not say who family is or who what is, you know what I mean. And 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 I think something I've I've come over or gotten over is being like, well, too if you don't like me, too bad. And it's still something I'm like, it's a fear. Like every conversation I go into, I was like even saying it. I had a conversation in my head, being like, you're gonna say that. This was, this was a truthful moment. 
it's the stupidest. Yeah. I was only asking that question initially because I have a ridiculous fear of the dentist and the bees and bees. Oh, and that, I was see, but like, like, that's like, but that's like a tangible, that's like a, a exactly. physical fear. I was fear. looking for a simple solution to things like that. But then people started to give me like these like real, real answers. answers yeah. That, like I suspect could inspire someone else out there if they're dealing with the same issue. So I kept asking It's like you. any like physical fears, I don't think I've gotten over. Like I'm terrified. I hate big bodies of water. And so like Apple TV, you know, when you're like not playing it for a while, it plays like the screensavers. And they have all these ones of like fish deep in the ocean or there's this whale or there's like one with all this jellyfish. I have such an adverse reaction as soon as I, like my husband knows. He sees it, he's like, oh no, turn around. And like, we have to, we have to swipe past it. It gives me a pit in my stomach. I get I get such anxiety. I don't I don't like putting more than my ankles in the ocean. Um, so that's a fear I haven't gotten over. Bonus answer. Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, I haven't gotten past the bee or a dentist fear. And we're in it. Well, the dentist. You need to either. find the right one. You need to find the right one. My dentist is my family friend. He has to be the right one. <laughs> I can't leave him. I have to yeah maybe that's something you got to work on yeah that's that sounds like a me problem though all right I gotta let you go as always it is such a pleasure to talk to you thank you for joining us for ladies and congratulations on Gilded Age I need more now thank you thank you I appreciate it always so lovely Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.